get into the word of the Lord. And so my title is Romans chapter 7. <laughs> Romans chapter 7. Yes. So um, yesterday we were in uh, Kingsville, Kingsville Christian Fellowship. Uh, Sister Susan Liberto was uh, teaching uh, the Bible study. And uh, she reminded us that life is not just about behavior modification. It's not just about behavior modification, but it's about a totally changed life, a, a life that is different than the life you lived before. And uh, I thought that that would be appropriate to begin uh, our message today. I want to refer back to Romans chapter 6, verse 14, before we go into 7, because there's some connective tissue there. I want us also to understand that the Lord is preparing us for days to come, and I want to be thoroughly prepared. Uh, I played uh, basketball in high school and ran a little bit of track, but played basketball, and we were never, ever ready for a game that we started preparing for it that day. We're never. And likewise, Christians are not going to be prepared unless they are internalizing the Word of God and what God is saying to them. One might say something like, well, I visited a church in such and such place and they weren't talking about it. Well, hopefully they're talking about their part in the future, their part of what God wants them to do. But I know what he wants us to do is quite large, and I want to share what he has given to me to share. So Romans 6, 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but under grace. Sister Jadira read an article uh, earlier uh, that I wrote yesterday. Um, she read that article. She always makes those articles better than I write them, the way she presents them. But in that article, we were dealing with the fact that sin shall not have dominion over you. So often, believers have believe something that is in error, and that is, well, you can't help but sin. I, I've heard uh, well-taught pastors say that as though it's inevitable, so why try? But that is inaccurate. Now, it, it is very likely that you and I will sin in this sinful world, but not those egregious things. We might spin, uh, speed a bit. You know, somebody said to me, well, pastor, all have sped and fall, and fall short. You know, so we may speed a little bit. You're, you're a little uh, distracted or something, or something can catch you off guard, and, and you didn't mean to snap, but you did that. There is a reason for that, but th these overt sins should not be a part of our lives. Um, when we talk about... Um, uh, the fact that you're not under law but under grace, we can explore that. And what God wants you to understand is that you have been moved from a particular sphere, you know, like you and I live in the Western Hemisphere, right? And uh, there are other br brothers and sisters who live in, in uh, the Eastern Hemisphere, you know, they live in another part. But we are living in the Western Hemisphere. So now we are also, we, we, if I travel to, uh, say, uh, Asia, I live in another sphere. I cannot live in that sphere and this sphere at the same time. It's an impossibility. So God has blessed us in our walk with God. We have to understand what God has given to us because if you don't know what you have, you don't know what you can do. If you don't know what you have, you don't know what you can do. 
And so you and I now are, are living in the Christ sphere, the Christ sphere, a whole new sphere of operation. Um, Paul says in verse 15, what then, uh, what then uh, shall we say? Uh, what then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? That's what he says. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? He said, certainly not. Like, like what's wrong with you? You know, it's kind of like that. Certainly not. He says, do you not know? Do you not know? that He's talking to God, God's people. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? You are that one slave, slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. So when we talk about slaves, uh, we, we, we have to recognize that we live in existence from slaves of sin to slaves of God. We have to understand that. And so that word is doulos. Doulos, it means a slave or it means a bond servant. But somebody who says, or it means a bond servant. They didn't give you the full definition. And you and I know that if you don't have a full definition, uh, you can't really understand or, or communicate as effectively as, uh, as you could if you had the full definition. I like what Pastor Stan Mack says. He said when he wants to make a point, he says, we walk on two legs. Yeah? We walk on two legs. And so, usually, there's more to it than just a single definition. Words mean uh, more than one thing. And so, here, uh, it means to be a slave, a real slave. Let me give you another definition. When we speak metaphorically, you know, what we do is we use this word uh, as a metaphor. It says, one who gives himself up to another's will. Those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause. So we give up our rights. We give up our rights and we serve the cause of Christ. Um, I, I've said to you many times, I wasn't ever trying to be cute. Uh, but I've said, I, I think sometimes in, in my mentality, it, it's unfair to be married to me. I, I've said that. Now, maybe you feel like it's a wonderful thing for the, per, your, the person you're married to to be married to you. You think, oh, man, she's, she's blessed, you know, or, shoot, he better be glad he got me, you know. But I think it's, it's a, a tough thing because I'm always directed toward the things of God, and sometimes I can be neglectful of those things at home that, that I must do. I don't say that with pride. I say that with Jesus, help me, you know, one of those strong, ayudame, you know, one of those strong statements. And so, we give up uh, our will uh, so that Christ can advance his cause. It also means, uh, this word doulos, or being a slave, is devoted to another to the disregard of one's own interests. I don't see a lot of Christians doing that. We, have, we think that things are synonymous, you know, uh, the Lord's interest and mine. Yeah. We'll say something like God and family. I, I, I would like for us to stop that, you know, like God and country, God and family, because that means that they're like e equal. There's some equality there. I think it's God. Yeah. yeah. And then there's family. Then there's country. 
then there are the other things. But we have to put the Lord in his rightful place. I mean, nobody sits as high as God. You know, if I, if I serve God's interests, if I serve uh, the interest of Christ, this is going to be really good for my wife and my children. It's going to be the best that they can have. But if I try to equate the two, that's wrong. And, we, and that has been so embedded in us, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to extricate it from us. But, but we have to understand as we go into this very uh, important period of time, you know, preceding the coming of Jesus. And I think that it is, it is very imminent, the coming of the Lord, as I sense in my spirit, man. So we want to give up our own interests and be a slave. It's an embarrassment to be a slave. It's an embarrassment where everybody, you can see people drop their heads or even maybe be, being the offspring of slaves, you know, saying, gosh, I hate that. Wish my family had been masters. Well, even the master is God's slave. Are yes. oh, you still with me? Yes. So let's, let's see what else the scripture has to say. Um, he says, let me read verse 16 again to connect it with 17. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey? That, that's an operative word there, obey. You are the one slaves whom you obey. It's, very, it's operative there, all right? We, we are, if, if, in this case, of what we're sharing, you are that person's slave. You obey, you obey, you obey, all right? Whether sin leading to death, now all sin leads to death, eternal death, or obedience leading to righteousness, all right? So we want to understand that. So when we obey God, that is leading to righteousness, rightful conduct, right, righteous relationship with God and with each other. And he says here, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin. So that means that everybody under the sound of my voice who's been born again, you are no longer a slave to sin. You are not at all. Don't say, I just can't help myself. No, you just won't help yourself, right? It's not a matter of you cannot. God has made provisions for us to live a holy life, to live a life that is so reflective of Jesus Christ that everybody who sees us knows something's different about that person. Yeah. That's the life that God expects of us. And I believe it will be more pronounced as, the, as that day approach, that day of, of the coming of the revealing of the Lord. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, Yet you obeyed from the heart. That form of doctrine to which, now listen to this, to which you were delivered. That form of doctrine to which you were delivered. So, the, so you and I, by the Holy Spirit, were delivered somewhere when we got saved. We didn't just get saved and got goosebumps and tickling fingers. When we got saved, we were delivered to a place, and it is the, the centrality of Christ that is the gospel. That's what we were delivered. And sometimes we, we didn't understand that, but God wants us to understand it now. Okay. And having been, um, the New King James says, been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now, I like the King James Version because it's not afraid. The King James Version is not afraid in this case to say it like I believe it, he means it. Because this word has to do with being made free, not just set free. Now, set free has a good connotation. I have no real issue with being set free. You know, if, if I was incarcerated or in handcuffs and somebody said, go, go, it doesn't matter if my mind is, is, is good and clear or not. I just want to get out of that. 
<laughs> right? So, so that, that does have a good connotation. But the best one is that God didn't just set you free because you could carry the same old habits, the same old dysfunctions, but God has made you free. And then, and he, as it were, released you. And so Paul says, uh, you became at that juncture when God came into your, your heart, you became now not slaves of sin, that is, you had to do it, but slaves of righteousness. It, it's like being upset with someone. You can be upset with someone, and they say something, and they just irritate you. And, uh, and every, if every time you get irritated, it's not necessarily the person who you think irritated you that has the problem. You've got the problem. And you have to pray about it and, and say, Lord, what is this stain that is in me? What is this stain? I don't want it. You've, been, you've made me free. Why is this thing still trying to linger? I, I shall never forget Pastor Houston many years ago. He was preaching in, in here. And, he, and back in those days, I think this, this stain remover shout had just pretty much come out. And he said, there are some stains that only shout gets out. And I, it just so blessed me because what, what I'm saying is sometimes we come into uh, the, the, the church of God and we think we're supposed to be church mice, you know, just so quiet. It's holy quietness. Oh, don't, don't say anything. You, you know, sometimes you just have to yell out. When I saw the Sister Angela come in here today, I almost boohooed. I, I had to catch myself. I said, boy, act like a man of God. You are, boy. <laughs> Yeah, I almost shouted a cry, a boohoo, and we were praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And at some juncture, I don't remember the specific song or the wording, the lyrics, but I almost boohooed again. I thought, whoa, what's going on with me? You know, but I'm saying there's some, there's some things that are wrong with us. They're still wrong with us because we've not abandoned ourselves to the Lord to just let, give him a good shout of praise. I'm telling you, that's right. That's right. Paul goes on to say that we've been, that we have been set free from sin, uh, made free from sin, and therefore we have become slaves of righteousness. So righteousness should always be on our agenda. Righteousness must always be on our agenda. What's the right thing? What's the right thing? Sister Janelle, and may God bless her memory. But Sister Janelle blessed my heart time and time and time again. She would come to the office and say, Pastor, I need to talk with you. Okay, what do you need to talk about? Okay, we, we would talk. She said, what does the Bible say about such and such? And I said, well, <laughs> it says this, this, this. She said, whoa. It says that? Yes, it does. <sighs> She'd say, well, I'm going to do it. And so what she would say to herself, I'm going to do it. Why? Because righteousness is what directs me. I am now a slave to do the right thing, not to do the preferred thing, not to do the easy thing. I am a slave to do the right thing. And that's what you and I are. And we, we can't make a difference in society when we are just like them. You know it's the truth. I can remember, y'all got tired of my dad's stories, but... 
I remember my dad saying to me, uh, to us, really, we, would, we had a lot of kids, and so 10 of us, but not maybe about seven or eight of us at one time at the house. And so uh, we, had these, we were getting ready to get in our station wagon because the regular car was not big enough. And so we would get in the station wagon and, and uh, go to town. And b before we got in the wagon, he'd tell us how we were to comport ourselves. And that he did not want anybody thinking uh, bad of his family, being incorrigible, you know, being unruly in, in the public sphere. And he would, he would give us a warning, and God gives warnings too. God, he would give us a warning how we were to comport ourselves. And dad would say things like, uh, you know, now, son, if you show out, I'm going to show out there too. And I knew what that meant. I knew I, that means I could not go to school the next day with my head up. So, so, but dad gave those warnings. God gives warnings. A lot of times we, we complain about how we uh, have been maybe embarrassed in a particular situation or maybe God didn't come through. Maybe God didn't come through because he couldn't reward our behavior. That's very likely. So I'm, I'm saying these things because I really believe that we are the ones on whom the ends of the ages have come. Uh, I really believe that. You know, I may not get there with you. I sure want to. Uh, one young lady here prophesied, Amanda prophesied. She said, Pastor, I was praying. And God says, it, you thought it was your generation that was going to bring usher in these things. But it's our generation. And, uh, but he told me he was going to let you live to be there. Wow. I, I, even, I didn't know if that was accurate, but I sure claimed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I need to see her and see if she still believes that. Verse 19, Paul says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. I, I speak, I can't tell you fully in the spirit because you're too weak to bear it. You're still looking horizontally. You're still looking horizontally. I remember in the old days when we were over to Kingsville, uh, we'd go to the football games. We had, a, we had winning football teams over there. And we'd go to the football games. And some people went way up high. And uh, when my wife and I got married, she liked to sit down low. I didn't ever like to sit down low because, you know, I don't know exactly. I'll ask her later why she likes to sit down low. I think she wanted to converse with the people walking by, you know, but I wanted to watch the game, you know. But so, but, but sitting down low, always uh, you have to be bothered with obstructions, people walking in front of you, or interruptions. Yeah. All of them were, were just terrible, and you couldn't really see what was going on on the field. I wanted to get up high so I didn't have people walking, standing in front of me, watching the game, and I'm trying to look around them, and then maybe becoming a little irritated. If I got up high, I was above the distractions. I was above the obstructions. And this is what God wants us to do. He cannot teach us these things because we are too horizontal. We're too horizontal. We must be first vertical. Then we have a right perspective of the horizontal. But think up, think high. Go above. Don't just look down here, wonder what Jim's doing, wonder what Jack's doing. You know, no, no, I wonder what God is doing. That's what we should be. All right? So he had to speak in human terms. Couldn't get real spiritual because they couldn't grasp it. Too busy with the, the folks down here. Uh, then he goes on to say, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness 
And every one of us here, under the sound of my voice and even online, every one of us has at one juncture presented our bodies, our members, as slaves of uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. We, we were there. That was our former conduct. That was our past. He says, so now, that is, let's change directions here. So now, you are born again. You are a new creation. So now, present your bodies. And he's saying to us that you have the ability because God has given you enablement through his son. When the Holy Spirit came into, into, into your heart, the Holy Spirit, as it were, brought Jesus. And the Holy Spirit being in you argues, debates, he argues for the divinity of Christ. Because that's how Christ is in you. How? Through his spirit. By his spirit. He is in you. Christ is in you. He's not approximately in you. He is in you. So he said, he says, he says here, so now present. This is like the, the inference here, I infer, he says, you present. That, that's, that's, it's unspoken, but it's there in the text. You present. Well, God's done everything else for you. Jesus died for you. God placed you in Christ at his death, and therefore you were in him in, him in his resurrection. He says, so now you do something. You present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. I remember I grew up in what was called a holiness church, and boy, did the boys have fun after Sunday service, the, the, the secular boys. I mean, some of y'all, too, too y'all had fun poking at us, you know. But he says you ought to present your, your, your members as slaves of, of uh, righteousness uh, for what? Holy living. He doesn't want you to be popular with a rowdy crowd. Some of us are, pr are popular with a rowdy crowd. A crowd. If, you, if you and I were to go to school, and if I were to say to you, your child is hanging out with the bad people, and you defend your child, you need to get saved. I mean, I'm just really, you know, repent of something is what I'm trying to say. You know, really repent of something. You know, I know a lot of parents are so child-bound, baby-bound, that they cannot see the truth about their own children. You know, you, say, you, you know, to say, well, I, I know that, but I'm believing. I, I got that. Yeah, all your children will be taught of the Lord, and grace shall be the peace of your children. I got that. But still discipline them. It's like that advertisement for uh, M-A-D-D, um, Mad Mothers Against Drunk Drivers. Remember that one? I, I love that commercial because it says, listen, if he's sick, let's get him some help. But first, let's get him off the road. Yeah. I think, what, what makes good sense? Yeah. Those people must have been Christians. They're not the kind of Christians who, can't, who are so blinded by the horizontal that they can't even see vertical. Are you still with me? Yes. Am I being too, too mean to you? Okay. So let's look at verse 20. I'm still preaching on chapter 7. But I'm in chapter 6. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to take five more minutes for that. Extra. For when you were, verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, listen, you were free in regard to righteousness. That, that's, that's a mind-blowing statement. You were free. You, you, you weren't even in the same sphere. You weren't in the same sphere. You weren't in the same realm. It says you were free. You were free. You didn't have anything to do with righteousness. If, you, if something righteous happened, it was accident with you. Verse 21, what fruit? 
did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free or made free and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Now, now listen, that's huge. That's huge, believers. What he's saying is right now, God has done something for you in that your fruit now is to holiness, cleanliness, clean living, righteous living. And the end of all of this fruit that you are bearing, everlasting life. And then he says in verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But, listen, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in where? Christ Jesus, our Lord. So these verses in, in, uh, in Romans 7 that I'm going to read actually are continuing the discussion that Paul began in Romans 6, uh, 15. It's a continuation. So I'm, I gave you the prefix, uh, 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 the preface, and now I'm going to give you the body. And so in, uh, Paul began in Romans 6, 15, answering the question, shall we sin uh, because we are not under law but under grace? So he used the illustration there of a master and a servant to explain how the Christian should yield himself to God. Master, servant. If you work for the boss, you don't tell the boss what to do. You follow the boss's orders. That's how it works. And so in Romans 7 passage, Paul uses the illustration of a husband and a wife to show that the believer has a new relationship to the law now because of his union or her union with Jesus Christ. So let's look at that now. And as I said to you, I have already warned you, it's going to take an extra five minutes. If you all have said amen more, I may have. Not <laughs> Romans 7, verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren? He says, for I speak to those who know the law. So you have to have some understanding before you understand this. Right? You have to have a little a graced understanding before you get it. So he says, for I speak to those who know the law. That the law, this is what he wants to make, the point he wants to make, that the law has dominion, rulership, authority over a man as long as he lives. A person, as long as they live, the law has dominion, power, authority over you as long as you live. Now, he gives a, a kind of a strange example. And for years, I was confounded by this example. And everybody seemed to uh, act like they understood it. And you didn't want to be the dumb kid in the class. So you say, where's your answer? I don't know. You don't want to be the dumb kid in the class, right? You want there to be a dumb kid in the class so they can ask the question you want to ask. Everybody needs that one, right? So he says, for the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. Wait a minute, isn't that kind of a, a, a strange way of approaching it? We'll see, see though. He says, but if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if so then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. 
But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another. Man, has that messed with me for a long time. So, if she marries another man, she's not adulteress. She says, therefore, my, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. So he was talking about a woman, but now uh, 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 whose husband died, released her, and now he, he tells us, you died. Whoa. It's pretty beautiful once you get it. I didn't get it for years and years. I prayed about it, and it didn't come to me. See, verse 6 is important uh, here. Let me say, go to verse 6. But now we have been delivered, delivered, not delivered, but now we have been delivered from the law. How? Having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. So, so what Jesus did was took us into death, into death, so that we would be free because we went into death, not somebody we were married to, not the law. The law is good. The law is a righteous law. But we, God took us in his infinite wisdom into death so that we would come up from death in the resurrected Christ in a whole new sphere. He did not leave us in the old sphere, the old economy. He brought us into a new sphere. See, if whomever we were married to died, we would still live in the old sphere. But his wisdom is matchless. He brought us to live in another sphere. Now, uh, verse 6 explains God's strategy in taking the believer to death, therefore out of the dominion of sin. That's what it was all about. But Paul's example just really messed with me. But it was a brilliant example once you get a little knowledge and understanding. But it brought us out of the dominion, the sphere of sin, uh, the rulership of sin. We're no longer under the law now. We're no longer under the law. But you can't run with that. You've got to understand that. You know, the, the Mosaic law, the strong law, even the commandments and ordinances of the Old Testament. We're not under law, but now we're under grace, unmerited favor. It's like just being released to run in the pasture and run in the meadows or run down a long dirt road and just run and run and run and run. And the more you run, you're, you're more exhilarated. You, you, you feel better and better. And almost like somebody has to tell you, stop running. So that's the sphere uh, or, or the realm in which we have been delivered. And that is what I call the Christ sphere. It is into the gospel. He says, so we now, we now live in in the sphere of grace, God's grace. What do we say about the law? And so, I want to ask you, what do we say about the law? Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And this is what, we, when you think about the law, you have to think about this, all right? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, he says, we have learned that the law is not made for a righteous person. This is what you have to understand. Paul starts out by saying uh, 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 that I'm speaking to those who know the law. So, okay, you need to understand the law was never made for a righteous person. There are people who say they are believers, they trust Jesus, and they want to try to keep the law. 
there was a young man who came to worship with us for a long time, not a long time, but a good while. Uh, he even gathered uh, a few people, less than a handful maybe, to go with him because they were going to be now keepers of the law and they were going to read the Torah and they were going to keep it because that's what God wanted. Nobody ever did it but Jesus. And so you, you and I have been now, because of faith in Christ, brought out of that sphere. You know, we're not under the law because, because the law brings wrath. We're in grace. Yeah. So, so what do we say about the law? He says that, let me find it again. That the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless. Now listen. And the insubordinate, for the ungodly, and for sinners, for the unholy, and the profane. So when he says the unholy, ungodly, that un is a prefix that means not. They're not godly. Right? Uh, They are not holy. They are not righteous, but it's made for the lawless, the insubordinate, for the ungodly, for sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, listen, for fornicators. So that gets the heterosexual people really good here. For fornicators, um, because I'm going to say a couple of things that you may not like. For sodomites homosexuals. Made for heterosexual sinners, homosexual sinners. You don't get a buy because somebody's practicing DEI, you know. No, the church never told us, to, God never told us to practice DEI. And I know some of you may have a problem with that, but make an appointment with me. Diversity. What is it? Equality or equity? Inclusion. Doesn't matter what they are, just include. Well, I, I don't think we ought to be mean to people. I don't think we ought to be, shut the door on people, you know, because God didn't shut the door on us. Amen. You know, we, we, we need to have some mercy. But, but going into all that worldly stuff, the world can't lead me. That may, that's a, a crazy thing in my head. And, and I've just gone 48 seconds over. But, but listen, it's a crazy thing for the seeing to be led by the blind. I cannot grasp it. I, I'm, I just cannot grasp it. And so, I, I, anyway, I'll, I don't want to go off on that tangent. Okay. So, so of sodom, sodomites. And then he says, the law is for kidnappers, for liars. I, I hardly can watch the news now. Honestly. This is not a political position. This is a righteous position. can hardly watch the news because I hear lies all the time. And, and that, that distresses me, hurts my heart. But what, what hurts my heart even greater is the Christians are eating them up. <laughs> or people who say they're Christian. All right. For liars, for perjurers, lying under oath. And if there is any other thing that is contrary or opposed to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. So God's objective in doing this is that we might, uh, that is, his objective in bringing us out of the realm of the law and dominion of sin, he has brought us into the Christ sphere, is that we might bear fruit to God. Bear fruit to God, right? All right. All right. Now, 
Okay, let me finish. Let me let me read down a little bit, and then we'll we'll be done for this this session. To be dead to the law does not mean that we lead lawless lives. It does not mean that we lead lawless lives. You can't lead a lawless life and think you're godly. It simply means being dead to the law simply means that, that, God, that the godly manner in which we now live does not come from the law, but from God's grace manifested through our union with Jesus Christ. That's where it comes from. It doesn't come from somebody saying, you shall not, don't, don't, don't. No. Then Paul says in verse 5, Romans 7, 5, for when we were in the flesh, that is, we were in our former state, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. See, what was happening in us, when the law said don't, we did. That's crazy, but it's true. Somebody had an experiment once with a barrel or something and put it on a school campus where these kids were. Said, don't, do not open. And the kids gathered around that thing wondering who was going to be the first to open. That's us. And that's what the law does. It arouses something in you that you're unaware of. The law can't save you. It can tell you you are unsaved. It says to you, you need some help. I remember Pastor Mario Barrientes used to sing this song. I don't remember fully the song, but I remember this little, little line he said, no tengo fuerza. No tengo fuerza. I don't have the strength. Give me strength. Give me strength. Give me that fuerza. That force of power from the Holy Spirit. That's what God is showing us here. So they were roused by the law at working our members to bear fruit to death. There's a lot I want to say on that, but let me go to verse 6. But now we have been delivered from the law. How were we delivered? We died to what we were held by. And we died in Christ. That it had to let go of us so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, not in the oldness of the letter. Life in the Spirit is totally superior to life under the law because the law deals with carnal people, fleshly people. It exposes them, but it cannot change them. Therefore, we need Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're going to walk it out. And in a moment, I'm going to come back and offer you salvation. Those of you who are here, I'm going to come back in just a moment. We're going to offer you salvation. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ, not by keeping the law. You can't do it. He did it for us. I'll be back in a moment. Sister Stephanie.